Thank you, John and Josh and Zach and Jesse. They were great, weren't they? Leading us in worship. That was fantastic. 5 p.m. EV free. Look at you. You're here in your normal seats. A lot of you have regular seats already, right? You've kind of staked them out, and that's where you sit, and that's, that's just wonderful. It's good to be with you tonight. We are, I feel like I'm channeling Austin when I talk about we are a community of believers. And the, the scriptures talk about when the church gathers, they are the body of Christ. You think of that. This tonight is the body of Christ. Wow, that's unbelievable. When we gather together, that's how God sees us. The body of Christ together in community, in worship, in love for one another. So it's good to be here. We're going to be in Matthew 9, and we've been going through a series of generosity but we haven't talked about money because generosity is a lot more than just money. Reminded me of the story of a little kid who who met the pastor at the end of the service and went up to the pastor and he says, you know, when I get older, I'm going to give you money. And the pastor thought, well, thank you, but why would you give me money? Well, because my dad said, you are one of the poorest preachers we've ever heard. (laughs) It might take a while to get it. Okay, yeah for us all right so but that's not why we give not for preachers we give because even from the beginning the early church when they gathered together they gave Uh, we hear of the corinthian church when they heard that the jerusalem church they were going through a famine they were going through persecution they had great needs the corinthians got some money together to give to paul to take jerusalem but in second corinthians 8 5 it says first they gave of themselves they gave of themselves. And then they give, gave some funds to the Jerusalem church. Generosity is about giving of ourselves, something that we have and we are. Hear the word of, the, of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but those who are generous, who give of themselves, they will find life. And in the kingdom of God, the economy of the kingdom of God, when we give of ourselves, we get life, and others get life. When we refuse to give of ourselves, we we lose life. We are to live generously. When I think of who live generously in my life or a model of generous living, I think of a high school teacher of, of mine. And that's a few years ago. But it was a different kind of high school. I went to school in Trinidad. So that's an island in the West Indies. And it was a school of 800 guys. It was all guys called Queens Royal College. I was the only Caucasian in the school, but I'd been there since I was two years old. We were all together, all friends together. It was wonderful. But Teen years, you, you do get in trouble a, a little bit. And whoever thought putting 800 guys together, there would not be trouble. And so there was trouble. And discipline in this high school was by caning. All right, this is another world ago, I know, another generation ago. So I ended up in the headmaster's office. And you know, those words are seared in my mind like yesterday. Young man, touch your toes. And then you hear the wind of that bamboo cane coming through the air. And when that Board of Education 
hits the seat of learning, there's enlightenment. And uh, I was enlightened several times. And your eyes squirt water as well. It, yeah, tried it. Yeah, it wasn't funny at the time. Um, but it, it hurt. But I remember. But at the school there, we had a teacher. And he was a tall guy. He was older. He was from Barbados, had a different accent. But he just, there was something different about him. This is a rowdy school. The classes are rowdy. When he would come into class to teach his geography was his subject, he'd come into class. He'd go, just one moment, please. And he'd take a knee. And he'd pray silently for the class. And the class got real quiet. When we'd have lunch times, he'd be in a room, a classroom with his Bible, and he'd read a verse or read a passage of scripture. And if there was one guy in there or 150 guys in there, he was faithful every day, just sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, sharing what he knew of the Bible. When I went back, he had become headmaster of the school, Um, Luckily, my life had been aligned by then, so I didn't have to visit him in a bad circumstance. Uh, But but when he retired, I I inquired about him, where is Mr. Goddard? And they said, oh, he gets up every day. He goes to the hospital, and he bathes patients. And if you know Trinidad, the hospital there, it wasn't a nice situation. But he was that type of guy, giving, just generous with his life. And you could tell that he had life. So we're in this series of generous living because there's something that happens when we give of ourselves, we gain life. Now in this series, I think Pastor Aaron came in and talked about the generosity of time. Do you remember that? That was a few weeks ago. He didn't say give more time to God. His line was, God owns all our time. So at the beginning of the day, beginning of the week, it's, God, what do you want me to do? The beginning of the year. He owns all our time. It's not I give God time. All that I do is God's time. He wants us to use our time. Then I think Pastor Eddie came in and talked about generosity of talents. God has given us talents. But it's not go use your talents more. It's from 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 is after. When you use your talents, use them in love or they're worthless. Without love, your talents are nothing. So serve one another in love. And then Pastor Austin shared about grace, the generosity of giving grace. Boy, and that hit me because when we remember how much grace we've received, then I can be gracious and patient with others because I know what God has saved me from. I can give grace to others who are struggling in their lives. And then tonight we're talking about generosity of service. But that's not news to any of us, right? Time, talents, money, service, grace. We need to give it all, but there's something that holds us back sometimes from giving of ourselves. And in Matthew chapter 9, he gives us a window into the mind of Christ. What motivated Jesus to give of himself? So Matthew 9.35 is not a parable. It's not a story. It's really what was Christ thinking? Very insightful. Read with me. Matthew 9 verse 35. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Let's just stop right there. Hold it right up there. It says, look what Jesus was doing. He was going. 
His life was one of going into cities and villages, big places and small places, to all people, important people, less important people. They're all important to him. And as he's going, he's doing three things. He's teaching people. He's instructing them on how to live life. He's instructing them in the synagogue from the Torah, from the scriptures. This is what God says to you. He's teaching. But the next phrase says he's also proclaiming, which is different than teaching. Proclaim is is like teaching with some authority, with power. It's like John the Baptist. He's preaching, repent. Proclaiming is teaching for life change. Jesus was just not teaching them knowledge. He was urging them, encouraging them to follow me, come after me, do what is right. So Jesus is teaching, proclaiming, and then it says he's healing. He's restoring joy and health and families. That's what Jesus' role was, teaching, preaching, proclaiming, healing. But in verse 36, here's what was going on in Jesus' mind. It says, seeing the people. He's observing. He's watching. Seeing the people. It says he felt compassion for them. Here's God the Son on earth looking at people moved deeply with compassion. God moved watching people. It's an unbelievable thought. And he's moved for three reasons in the verse 35 it says there. Or we're in verse 36. He says, because they were what? They were distressed. It's a term for being uh, annoyed, being harassed. Life is difficult. And for those people, life is difficult. For all of us, life is difficult to some degree. They're, they're, they're distressed. Life is hard. Things happen at work. Things happen with our jobs. Things happen with our family. Sickness comes. Accidents happen. Life can hurt. Life can be difficult. Jesus looked at people and saw distress, saw the pain of life. And then it says not only were they distressed, but they were dispirited. And that's a, that's a term, a heavy term, for like being thrown down. It's a term that that Matthew used for when a demon threw a person down on the ground, had them in bondage, had them captive. Jesus looks at people and sees that some of us are in bondage, are tied down, are held down, are down. Jesus is moved with compassion. Not only is life hard, sometimes we're trapped by the evil one. Where I grew up in Trinidad, we had uh, instances where we came in contact with demonic activity, living in Hindu villages and working among Hindu villages. And as a young boy, I just thought sin was fun, right? I mean, you get to choose this sin, that sin. You could hide from your parents. Life was great. But when I confronted demonic activity and, and, and the appearance of evil, you realize sin isn't that fun anymore. It has a nice face to it, but there's something very evil and wicked about looking sin in the face. Someone who's possessed, someone who can't move or is screaming or or, or going crazy because of demons. 
and you, the power you feel in that, in that area. Now, Jesus is stronger. Jesus delivers people. There's no other power like Jesus. But when you come up against evil powers, you go, whoa, whoa, there's a power there. And it reminded me that sin will take you further than you want to go. My father used to say this. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. You think you can play around, but it traps you. And Jesus says, when I see people, I see them distressed with life. I see them dispirited with evil. And I see them like sheep without a shepherd. No one's protecting them. No one's looking out for them. No one's caring for them. No one's providing for them as a body. In Jeremiah 23, he says, there's a shepherd going to be coming soon called the Messiah. And in John 10.10, Jesus says, uh, the thief has come to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come to give life. And in verse 11, he says, and I am the good shepherd. When Jesus looks at us, he's moved with compassion because he sees the real us. Now, when we come on Sunday, we look pretty good, don't we? I mean, my wife dresses me for Sundays, right? I wear what I want the rest of the week, but on Sunday, she tells me what to wear. And she says, I clean up pretty good. Do I? Okay, some of you may not think so. All right. But I don't go to the mall. You know, I'm, I'm, some people are gluten-free. I'm mall-free. If I go in the mall, I break out. It's not a, not a pleasant sight. So, but Jesus looks beyond all that. So when I see you on a Sunday, you're putting your best face forward, and that's great. Sometimes we're vulnerable. If we're one-on-one, we'll share, hey, I'm going through a difficult time. If you and your community group, you're sharing, hey, here's some of my stuff. I share some of my stuff, but I don't share all my stuff. Jesus sees it. He's watching, and he sees that we're distressed. He sees that we're tied up. He sees that we're sheep without a shepherd. And he's moved with compassion for you, for me. And here's what he says to do in verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of hurting people out there. The laborers, the workers are few. Very few people are connecting to people who are hurting. So here's what we're to do, verse 38. Therefore beseech or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus said to his disciples, people are hurting. There's very few people helping them. The first thing I want you to do is drop, take a knee and pray. Pray to the sovereign God. God, send people out. Send people to help them. And as we pray, as we listen, all of a sudden God speaks to us, right? Just like Jesus was going, proclaiming with compassion. He moves us. We're to be generous. And there's something about the kingdom. When we give of our lives, we get life. We get life. We're to be generous with our lives, generous with our service because people are hurting. Even on our row, they're hurting. Jesus says, open your eyes, share, give, listen, pray that God would meet their needs. We're gonna take the next 10 minutes for a sermon illustration. 
on generosity, generous living. 17 years ago, Jay and Grace Williams came to our church on staff, and they came the same a uh, couple months after I, I came. That was a long time ago. And Jay was brought on as the family ministries pastor to, to minister to families, and he lasted six months because something happened. Jay's heart was so full of compassion, we had to move him to compassion ministries and hire someone else. And for the last 16 and a half years, Jay and Grace have led this compassion ministry, led our church into looking above ourselves, into our community, down into Fullerton, even further away. On a Friday night, you'd find Jay at Eldorado Motel, sitting with the homeless, talking, eating, playing games. On Royal Family Kids Camp, where we take foster kids for a week, Jay and his whole family go and serve every year. In our mentoring program to foster kids, Jay and his four adult kids have mentor kids that they mentor. He's modeled this compassion living for us, so much so that we started this foundation, OC United, downtown Fullerton, this past year. And it's just this lighthouse working with the city, individuals, different churches to be a light for Jesus in the community. And recently, OC United board and Jay has said, I gotta do this full time. This is my calling. And so they've asked us to release Jay from staff to go as full-time director for OC United. So tonight, we're gonna honor that. We're gonna bring Jay and Grace up here. We're gonna bless them. We're gonna pray for them. We're gonna hear what God is doing through us, through each of you, and what God is gonna be doing. So welcome with me up here, Jay and Grace Williams. Jay. Thank you, my Dan. buddy. Those kind words. We've had a lot of good times, a lot of good times yes, together, we have. and we will some more. Jay, what's moved you? What's your passion? Yeah, I don't know what my passion is. Uh, <laughs> no, so so for me, I think I think when I came here at first to come to the staff, it was pretty intimidating, and and so it, it took a short while for me to identify where I felt like this is the role that I need to play. And for me, it became very clear that, that my role was to, to work to help this church to engage the needs of our community. And so that just has taken shape over the years. But, but that's where my passion is. That's, that's, I think, where my giftings lie is to help us to engage the mission at our doorstep, um, the mission right here at home. So, and we've done some crazy things over have. the years. We did um, The Church Has Left the Building, where we closed yeah. down all our services and went into the community. Yeah, so, so I'm thankful that this church um, let me do some crazy things and let me innovate and try new things, all to try to help get us. Because our goal was we actually shut down church two years in a row on a Sunday, and we said, we're serious. We want everybody to go out and serve into our community to get acquainted with the needs and the opportunities. And, and, and they even tried that. And, so, and it was good, and I think the object lesson was real, that we could take our worship even into our community and our giving and giving of ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, they went along mm-hmm. with that one. So how many have been a part of a Love Fullerton project or any project? Yeah. Jay, awesome. you got a lot of friends Thank here. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's been tremendous. So, Jay, why take this step now? Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think for me, Dan, is this has been a process. So in, the, in recent years, 
um, we began to uh, trim away from what I was doing here in my role at staff to make my focus more and more focus on outreach to our community. So it's been a steady progress, and I'm super excited about what God is doing downtown. And, and I just feel like it's time to be able to put my full time and focus and energy there. So, so it's, it's time. The time yeah. is now, and we're ready. But we're not sending <laughs> Jay out. We're sending him in. <laughs> into Fullerton. He'll still be a part of our church and community here. We have a video of a couple uh, folks that have talked about OC United that we can watch together. Thank you to EV Free for the amazing job that you're doing and your engagement with our community. In launching OC United and the leadership of Jay Williams, you are doing something that really we've never seen happen in the city before. OC United is making a huge impact on the city of Fullerton. Practically speaking, through Love Fullerton, OC United has saved the Fullerton taxpayers over $650,000 over the last three years, completing more than 75 projects in town on public property. Your commitment to being involved in our community is changing the lives and providing hope. Where once many churches did things independently, we finally have uh, several churches working together to improve our community. Today in Fullerton, we care more about our neighbors than we used to because of the work of OC United. We help more. We, as a church, partner more with other organizations in this community. Rather than giving help to the community, our church through OC United is a part of the community. And to me, that is the most beautiful thing about it. I hope you are, you are proud of what you're accomplishing in our community and the impact that OC United is having through this church. I'm so excited for Jay Williams to start this new full-time position at OC United because I know that as he's free to give more of his life to this important effort, the effectiveness and the power that this effort has will be even more beneficial to the community of Fullerton. So thank you, EV Free, for freeing Jay to do this great work. We've done so many great projects with OC United. A couple weeks ago, we had all the city Fullerton employees in this room for lunch. We had three shifts because cops, firemen, um, accounting, uh, sanitation workers, even the guys who write parking tickets, we invited (laughs) them. And uh, had a great time of ministering to them. They don't have enough money to do a volunteer appreciation for their staff, so we've been doing it the last several years. If you came in, you got one of these brochures, did you? If you take it out right now, this explains some of what OC United is about. Jay, lead us through some of it. All right. How fun. So to know the, the chief of police on a first-name basis, um, you know, well, I've earned that. No. Um, so we're really privileged. Both, of the, both Jennifer and Dan are on our board and um, have been a part of the blessing and favor that we've had in our city. So I want to just draw, I don't want to read this thing for you, but we want you to understand who we, who we are and why we are. All right, so I just want to highlight a couple things. First of all, our our mission. We exist to unite people of faith, to unleash compassion and empower the vulnerable. that's, That's what we're all about, is to unite the people of faith. And that's a big deal. That's not just one church, but that's to try to unite the church of the city, um, to come together to unleash compassion and empower the vulnerable. Our desire is to see the church living on mission as Jesus followers impacting their community. This last week, I, I got to meet with Ryan, who's uh, working with our college students and just got, got in that new position. And, and one of the things that we talked about is what would it look like to see the community groups of 5 o'clock 
evening service look like to transition into missional communities? Um, to groups of people living on mission together. What do we look like? How do we do that? And so that's our mission. That's what we're about. If you see it in the next part, you can see our initiatives, the things that we care about and where we're invested, foster and adoption, neighborhood development, homelessness, and domestic abuse recovery. Those are the four initiatives that we're focused on. I know there's a lots of other ways that you can engage our city, but, but these are the four that we're focused on and where we want to make a difference. Um, one of the things that this church said Part of it is knowing, knowing me. They wanted to make sure that our organization stays in alignment with who we are as a church. So there's a statement there that says, on the OC United board, we will always have a majority of folks from this church who are good standing with this church that will, be, that will represent our board. So that's true of us now, and they help keep us in check so that we're not just a social service organization, but that we are intentionally bringing the gospel in word and deed. So, so that's our mission. That's a part of our DNA, and that's, hopefully that makes you feel good. Because, yeah, I do have crazy ideas at times, and um, we like to try those. So if you could flip over a couple pages to Why OC United? And, and I know for a church like this that has a long history, this was, not a, this was not a little step. This was a big deal in church. Why would you actually start another nonprofit um, separate from EV Free to work as a missional organization of the church in our community? And so we tried to, we tried to tell you in four or five statements. So I'm not going to read all of these to you. I'll let you do that on your own. But it says, we are compelled by God's heart for the vulnerable and our desire to see his transforming work in our city. And that is what drives us. I can just assure you and tell you that. It's, it's God's heart, first and foremost, for the vulnerable. And so we want to create gospel-centered community off our campus. Um, we believe that God's at work. When we leave here, we all leave as missionaries. And God invites us into the mission field, and, and he's at work there. And, and so he's inviting us to join him. And it's a great privilege, as Dan says, as we lose, our, as we lose ourselves with him, we find ourselves. And, and we get to participate in the great work that he's doing in the kingdom. And that's amazing. Um, we want to join with other like-minded churches. We're working in the city of Fullerton alone. At one point, it seemed like there was like 12 church plants. I kept hearing about another church coming to Fullerton. It's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then we thought, well, maybe God's doing something really serious here. And so he's inviting people from Texas, from all over the place. And how fun for us, we've been able to partner with some of these churches too. They have little budget and they have little staff. And so we get to come alongside and say, hey, join us. We've got some really cool opportunities for you. So that's been amazing. Um, The other thing is we just want to deepen the work that God's already been doing through through this church. So... So some of the programs that we've had for years and years that we've been functioning, that we've been doing, um, part of why OC United is so that we could take them to next steps. And I'll, I'll give you an example of that in a second. But, but um, the other thing is, is that we want to tap into new sources of funding. Someone said that two-thirds of the charitable giving in this country come from outside the faith communities. Two-thirds of charitable giving in our country come from outside the faith community. And part of what our goal is, we want to tap into that resource. Just this last week alone, so OC United, we were sitting down with a business in Placentia. And we were talking about our emancipated youth program, dealing with foster kids. And as they were talking and they were going on and on, then one of the guys in the room says, wait a minute, 
and he was talking to the boss, to the head of this company. He said, could you just tell these guys what you're thinking? And then he goes on to tell us, we want to buy a house for you guys and loan it to you for you to use for your emancipated youth program at no cost to them. I mean, so that's pretty amazing. We were like, our last conversations, he had hinted at things like that, but we had no idea. And he says, and so as our participants join this program, they don't have to pay rent because he says, we want to cover that. We want them, when they leave, we want them to leave with money in their accounts to help launch them. So how cool is that? And so we recognize that, that God's at work, even in our local businesses that want to make a difference in our city. So when we come to them, not as a church, but we come as them as OC United, they're, like, they're excited to participate with us. And so I'm pretty excited about that, and I think there's great potential there, so that's, so that's why, we're, why we're moving into that. Let me conclude with this one scripture. Um, ultimately, who someone called this the quartet of the vulnerable, and uh, this is from the heart of God, and I think it's through the pages of scripture. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless or the foreigner or the poor. And that's why we do what we do. Well, this is like a Sorry, Dan, I just got you, carried away yeah, a little right. bit. You can do that. <laughs> well, this is a continuation of the text. We could almost read it and say, and Jay was going through all the cities and villages, <laughs> teaching, proclaiming, restoring, seeing, moved with compassion, taking us along with him. And this has been a wonderful journey because lives have been transformed. There's one girl in the foster care system who wanted to share her testimony with us. We had to darken her face because she's still in the system. But this is her testimony she wanted to share this week. Well, there's all kinds of stories of transformation. So we want to pray for you guys. So I'm going to have you come down right here. I'm going to have the OC United crack staff, the team that's doing all this ministry, come down here too. I'm going to ask the elders, some of the elders here to come and um, be around Jay and Grace as we pray for for them and send them out. This is a, a, a holy moment and um, we do it soberly but with great joy giving up this great uh, family from our church. So let's pray. Father, you are the giver of all good gifts and, and you give Jay and Grace and their family to our church, to our body for the last 17 years and it's been good. But Lord, we want to be a generous church. So we open our hands and say, go, go bless the world. We're with you. We're behind you. We're supporting you. We're standing with you. So Father, anoint Jay and Grace and this team. Give them great favor in the eyes of the community, the eyes of the government, the eyes of officials, the eyes of those who are so poor they can't look up. And may they see Jesus in the faces of these folks. And may they be transformed because of this encounter with Jesus Christ. So we give generously because we know that's where we find life. And we give with joy and with thanksgiving. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. They're going to be in the lobby afterwards. If you want to pray for OC United, you can sign up or donate or give or be a part of it. They'd love to talk to you. But when we talk about giving our life so that others may have life, we think of Jesus who came from heaven, God the Son, to earth.
to live, to take on our sin on the cross so that we may have life, so that we wouldn't be punished for our sins. We wouldn't be caned for our misdeeds. But Jesus took the punishment of our sin so that if we trust him, he will forgive us. Because he rose from the dead, we trust him. We have the hope that we also will rise from the dead. So we gather around the communion table because Jesus said, before he left, when you gather together as my body, I want you to remember as you hold the bread, as you hold the cup, I want you to remember that I gave my life for you and you can give your life for others. So we're going to have the team come on up next to the tables. Uh, You're free to come up, take some bread, dip it in, go back to your seat. We're going to partake together.